Welcome to the Become New Podcast with John Ortberg, where you'll find 10-minute teachings Monday through Friday to help you grow spiritually one day at a time. For more resources, check out our website, becomenew.com. There you can sign up for the emails that go along with each video, as well as access our entire library of over 400 videos covering a variety of topics about spiritual life and growth. If you need prayer, please let us know by texting your request to 855-888-0444. We would love to pray for you. Now here's John. I need second thoughts because sometimes my first thoughts devastate me. I woke up this morning and I found myself myself battling in my mind with thoughts around um, how the life of my family is not like I wanted it to be and I cannot get that back. And my work, uh, my sense of life calling and ministry did not go down the road that I very much wanted it to and I cannot get it back. And uh, how even now uh, I will say yes to an engagement, uh, agree to an involvement, and then I think it may cause problems or create churn, and so I pull out of it. And it's hard to know, is that the right thing to do? Should I take that risk? But it could hurt other people. And and then the negative thoughts start to dogpile on, I'm behind in things, I'm a disappointment to people, I've got projects that I ought to be farther ahead with. I should be more organized. I should be doing better in this area or that area of life. And then I just am living in this vague cloud of guilt that has no power. I, I need second thoughts. I need a better mind. So we're learning about second thoughts to think again from our friend Dallas Willard. I want to return and give a tool. I need a tool. I need something to help my mind. I need something quite concrete. That's what I want to give to you today. You may not need it, but I do. I wrestle with despair. I don't like to think that about myself. It runs counter to the image of myself as a strong, confident, optimistic person that I want to live through. But the truth is, I wrestle with despair in my mind, and I need help. So this is a tool, and it's quite remarkable to me. I was mentioning a few days ago, Dallas Willard talks about the need to weigh all of our thoughts. And this has been understood by great Christian thinkers in the ancient world including by Paul, who was a psychologist. He took psychology and the mind very seriously, taught us to reckon ourselves, consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God through Jesus. And this is part of what Dallas writes in a little footnote, Spirit of the Disciplines, page 129. The remarkable insights of these ancient Christian teachers into the control of our actions through the control of our feelings, through the control of our thoughts, actions come from feelings, come from thoughts, are upheld today in the writings of secular psychologists such as Michael J. Mahoney. I got a great big book by him on uh, uh, therapy outcome research. And David Burns, interestingly enough, the two I'm going to give you comes from Christian therapists that I work with who work with have been trained by David Burns. The corresponding mode of psychological treatment is called cognitive therapy, learning to reckon with our thoughts. And Burns says the first principle of cognitive therapy is that all your moods are created by your cognitions or your thoughts. Dallas wrote that three decades ago, and it is helpful to me today. So here's the tool. You start by identifying what's the upsetting 
uh, event that's going on in your life. One of the, one of the ways that Satan works on our minds, that our minds get sucked into non-productive anxiety or negative thought is it just becomes vague and cloudy and pervasive and you can't tie it down to anything. So specificity always helps. What's the upsetting thought? Had a fight with a spouse. My boss didn't like something. Got a bad grade in school. Might have financial problems. Identify real clearly what it is. And then what's the emotion that I'm experiencing right now? Sadness, anxiety and fear, guilt, regret, loneliness, shame. Be as clear about that as I can. And then here's what's key. It's never just the event. It's always the thoughts that I have about that. What's the thought that I'm having that's troubling me? I'm disappointing the people around me. I am not being as successful as I should. My boss does not like me. Whatever it is, I'm not a smart enough person to be able to do well. Whatever it is, identify that thought courageously, openly, calmly, and then uh, on a scale of zero to 100%, to what extent do I believe that? 100% seems to be true, or 90%. And then next, identify in what way is that thought distorted? And I'll run through a tool there, a list of distortions in just a second. And then counter that with a belief that is true. I am God's beloved child. I can face anything through Christ who gives me strength. I don't want to be the kind of person who has to win the approval of others to flourish. And and, uh, what's the extent to which I actually believe that thought? And then I return to that distorted thought to see how less true that appears to me now. Now, here are the common distortions that uh, are unproductive, untruthful thoughts often exhibit. Uh, I'll just walk through them quite quickly. One is all or nothing thinking, and I can do this a lot. Either I'm just the most successful person ever or a complete failure. Either my family is a great healthy family or it's the Manson family. Um, We see this way back in the first temptation, the third chapter of Genesis, where the serpent says to Eve, did God really say you can't eat from any tree? Now, of course, God didn't say that. He just said one tree, but it becomes all or nothing kind of thinking. So that's the first temptation. Uh, The second one is similar overgeneralization. I always have this problem. I can never get organized. I will never be able to do well. Anytime I try to get my finances in order, something bad happens, so there's no use doing it at all. Uh, third distortion is mental filter. And here, I overemphasize what is negative, and I screen out or underemphasize what might be positive. In Jesus' story of the uh, servants that are given the talents, the third guy says to the master, I knew you were harsh looking to reap or you don't. So, and he completely ignores the fact that uh, he was actually given all these resources and would be part of a profit sharing. Next uh, distortion is to discount the positive. This is Moses. I'm slow of speech, slow of tongue. God, you didn't give me any gifts to be able to lead your people. Or Elijah, it would have been better if I had not been born. No, it wouldn't. It's much better that you're in the world. God's got stuff for you doing and has given you the gifts for that. Uh, yesterday, Nancy went through a uh, medical procedure and she's doing great, but they had to medicate her. So she was kind of groggy last night. She fell asleep in the chair 
I haven't done this for a long time. I physically picked her up. She didn't even wake up and carried her into bed and put her in bed. And I was telling her about that this morning and said, what a good thing I keep lifting weights so that at my age, I can carry you into bed. She did not receive that as good news because I was discounting the fact that she is in fact light as a feather. And that's the primary reason. That's what happens when we discount. Another form of distortion, very common, is jumping to conclusion. This is so common. There was a movie a while ago where one character said he was going to start selling a jumping to conclusions mat, because we all do it. It takes two forms. Sometimes we do it by mind reading. I look at other people and assume I know what's going on inside them. Often something negative, they're mad or they don't like me. One of the reasons why we don't reach out, don't text other people is we under. Uh, appreciate the extent to which they would love to hear from us. Or fortune-telling. That becomes a reason not to take a risk. Nah, I know it's not going to turn out. I've tried it before. It didn't work before. And so we just jump to that conclusion. Uh, another form that distortion takes is to magnify or minimize. Magnify our problems, minimize our resources, Mary gives us a picture of the opposite when she's faced with this huge challenge and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. We are to magnify God, not the challenges that we face. Next distortion is emotional reasoning. Because I feel some way, it must be true. I feel like an idiot, I must be an idiot. Or if you've uh, read the book or seen the movie A Man Called Otto, I feel like other people are idiots. I feel like other drivers are idiots, other workers, therefore they must be idiots. And that's not true either. Um, another form that distortion takes is the word should. Now, it's a real important word. Um, morally, it's often a good word. I should speak the truth. I should be generous. I should love. I want to seek to live up to that. And then there are scientific facts. If I drop something, it should fall to the earth. So I want to pay attention to reality. But very often I use should in a spirit of perfectionism. I should be smarter than this. Life should be easier than this. I should not have to face frustrations. And uh, those are all forms of distortions that lead me into real problems. Labeling is another one where... Uh, it's very interesting. A philosopher, uh, Alain de Botton, wrote a book called Status Anxiety. He says, in the 1800s, we, people would say, I made a failure. In our day, people say, I am a failure. Failure has gone from an event to an identity. And when I adopt an event as a label for myself, then what I'm not seeing is the label God gives to me. You are my beloved child. You are a saint. You are a servant of mine. And then the last one is blame. And this can be self-blame. I might heap blame on myself when it's not altogether my responsibility. Or I blame other people. Back to Genesis 3. It was the woman you gave me. It was the serpent's fault. Now, blame is different than simply assigning responsibility. And what's different is condemnation. Blame always involves condemnation. And Paul says, now in Christ Jesus, there is therefore no condemnation. So this is a very powerful tool, my dear friend, and I want to invite you to, to use it. Upsetting event, identify what's the thought that's killing you, that's, that's uh, crippling your spirit. And then you just simply take a look at in what way is it distorted? And what's a true thought? Now it's real important this true thought not be hype, 
It's not uh, happy talk. It's not um, something that you don't completely believe. So it'll incorporate what I'd like to believe. I'd like it if everybody liked me, if everybody approved me, but I don't want to be the kind of person who lives for the approval of others. God knows the truth and God loves me. So then I stand on that truth. And then I go back and I look at that distorted thought and what I generally find is, once I've worked through this tool, it no longer looks nearly as convincing as it initially did. So I need that. I need those second thoughts. I seek to do them together with my friend Jesus. That's part of weighing each thought. And if it's helpful to you, then make this your day. Be a second thoughts thinker.